Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today we've got a great malicious compliance story that causes a company to lose a huge university contract. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, demand fast results and they'll deliver. My mom, for lack of a better term, is a mega Karen. She frequently criticizes me for not being proactive enough and for not standing up for myself. The following story is one that she reminds me of to reiterate her point, but unbeknownst to her, it has the exact opposite effect. The scene was in the early 90s, and I was in college living with my pothead of a sister. At the time, my parents were covering our rent and giving us each a $250 monthly allowance for utilities and food. The only stipulation was that I had to effectively spy on my sister and make sure that she refrained from alcohol and drug use. You may ask why they couldn't trust a grown woman to manage her own life. The reason was that while I was in the military, my sister had gotten plastered and handed her car keys to a fellow partier who then totaled her car. When my service was done, I agreed to move in with my sister, thinking that she would have learned prudence the hard way and that my only role would be to reassure my mom that everything was going okay, so that my sister would be freed from her constant and overbearing harassment. Sadly, this was not to be. My sister had not mellowed out in the least. If anything, she evolved into a wake and baker. She blew her monthly allowance on drugs and alcohol. Her shenanigans included buying a quarter pound bag with her friend with the intent of selling most of it, only to smoke it all. She also laundered money by convincing her friends to refill their gas tanks on her credit card in exchange for cash. The best part? My parents bailed her out when her card was maxed because she staged a robbery and claimed that her debit card had been stolen and her bank account cleaned out. That summer, my parents took the family on a Mediterranean cruise and my mom found a bag of weed in her luggage on the ship. This really caused my parents to flip out because drug offenses in Istanbul are no joke, and it's not far-fetched to think that our entire family could have been implicated in her nonsense. The following school year, in addition to having to live with me, my sister was also required to undergo surprise drug tests. One spring break, she went off to Las Vegas for the weekend with her friend, and when they got back, my mom sprang a drug test on her. My sister was flipping out because she knew for a fact that she was going to fail. She told me that she'd been completely baked the entire time she was in Vegas, so there I was preparing to falsely deny any knowledge of wrongdoing on my sister's part, when my mother called in a fury, but not for reasons that one might think. Apparently, the lab had suffered an equipment failure, and they told her that they wouldn't be able to test the sample for a week. This was absolutely not acceptable to my mom. So she ranted and raved in her usual manner until they agreed to have the results back to her ASAP. The next day, she smugly called me back to inform me that the results had come back negative. This wasn't a huge surprise to me. After all, if you test a positive sample on broken equipment, of course you'll get a negative result. 
That's how my sister got a temporary reprieve from her impending eviction. Every once in a while, my mom still holds this event up as proof that demanding people get results. Unbeknownst to her, it's just a reminder to me that if I act like a Karen, I should expect to be cheated. Doesn't it more or less all just start with the person and the individual? Don't they individually have to want to not do these things or to do better? Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy hearing some awesome malicious compliance stories, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is Pettiest Reasons to Leave the Office, an 80s story. This is a story from my grandfather's office in the 80s. At the time, government offices were known for their inefficiency and complete lack of effort towards doing the job they were being paid to do. This story takes place in a government-operated bank. The government, as part of a measure to reduce employees slacking off on the job, decided to implement a register system. This system involves every employee signing a register every time they left the office. The employee was required to state the reason for leaving their desk, no matter how minor it was. They were also required to note the time they returned and sign the book. There was an employee in this bank, let's call him Carl. Now, Carl was just a clerk and didn't have much to do during the day. He would get called by his superiors if they needed something basic like handing a document to the typist or going to the post office to post a letter. Carl was a classic example of the kind of employee the government was trying to get more out of. Carl also did not speak English very well. He knew enough to get by in the bank, but he knew no eloquent usage. Once the register system was implemented, Carl's visits to the tea stall outside the bank became severely restricted. He was not happy at being asked to enter his signature in the register every time he left and returned to his work area. Therefore, Carl started entering the most basic reasons he could find into the register. He would write, attending nature's call, or for God's gift, or to gain relief, every time he left his desk to go to the bathroom. He refused all offers by his more sapient colleagues to teach him the correct way to fill the register. Eventually, that particular branch of the bank lifted those restrictions for all employees at Carl's level. It's not known whether such malicious compliance was instrumental in the restrictions being lifted, but it was likely one of the reasons. Carl could now go wherever he wanted, as long as he was within earshot of the bank. I could only imagine he drank a lot of tea during his tenure with the organization. This next story is, you want honest and thorough feedback? Okay. This happened while attending a private university in the US. I was generally very happy with the school and the teachers, with the exception of one. I was always very polite and respectful to teachers that I thought were good at their jobs, or at least doing their best, even if it wasn't what I as an individual responded best to. But this guy really tested my limits. I was a biology major and had to take two semesters of physics. I'm not particularly interested in it, but there are elements that I do find interesting, and while I wasn't excited for the class, I wasn't dreading it too much either. From the beginning, I didn't enjoy the method of teaching he used, but everyone learns differently and I'm fairly adaptable, so I did my best. This was algebra-based physics, which was the usual choice for bio majors, and relied heavily on equations. By the first test, we were expected to have about 10 equations memorized to use on the test. The tests were usually about 5 to 6 questions, each with about 4 parts. So each part would be worth about 5%. The parts were dependent on each other, so if you couldn't answer part A, 
you couldn't even attempt parts B, C, or D. The first test nearly had me in tears when I realized that I couldn't even attempt half of the questions and was missing out on half of the points without even having a chance to try because I couldn't remember an equation for one of the earlier parts. That was bad enough. Then, the first class after the tests were graded, the teacher walked in and began explaining that the test scores were only 20% of your grade, the rest of which was based on homework, lab, and attendance. He told the whole class that if you get low scores on tests, you can still pass the class. He said that our class average was higher than the previous year's averages for the first test. The average was 45%. My jaw dropped and my heart started racing. He handed back our tests and I got 25%. I have never scored lower than 70% on any test before. I was a B average student. We had two more tests before the final, and each test added about 10 more equations onto the list, so there were about 20 for the second test and 30 for the third. I have disability accommodations for ADHD, so I asked them if they could help me with getting an equation sheet to have during the test because I'm unable to memorize that many equations. They told me that they couldn't help because they couldn't tell the teacher how to run the class. I talked to the teacher about it. He said that if I understood the material well enough, I would be able to come up with the equations on my own. He was also the department head, and I didn't think anyone above him would take me seriously. So I powered through, crying the whole way. My dad, who's very good at math and physics, helped me as much as he could. I adapted well enough to start testing in the 60% and 70% range. On the final exam, he provided us with an equation sheet, which was a full page of equations. I don't remember my exact score on the final, but it was around 80%. In the last couple of weeks of class, he told us that he encouraged everyone to participate in the university's anonymous class evaluations, and he would provide extra credit for those who showed him proof that it was completed. Not what was actually written, it was still anonymous. This was pretty common practice at the school. He encouraged us to be thorough and honest. Cue malicious compliance. I wrote a scathing yet professional evaluation of the way he ran his class. It took me an hour to word it properly and almost ran out of character count on the submission page. No teacher should expect the majority of their students to fail the tests. He shouldn't have to weight the grades so that students still pass even while failing tests. I learned very little from him, and that's what frustrated me the most. I was being charged almost $40,000 a year to learn, and he was completely useless to me and most of the others in the class. So while I was furious about the whole thing, the malicious compliance of getting five extra points for talking crap about him when he asked us to be thorough was so satisfying that it was the only thing that got me through the last week of that semester and finals. I heard from another student who took his class the next semester that he told them he'd changed a few things about the class based on feedback he got. I never knew how much it changed or if it was really for the better, but it sure was satisfying to hear that my feedback got to him. I still think about him sometimes and it still pisses me off that he ran his class that way for years. Screw you, Bruce. It really makes you question what their motives are for teaching when it seems like they almost get satisfaction out of trying their hardest to make sure nobody actually gets a legitimate passing grade, I feel like to get to that point you have to grade basically technicalities very 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 specific. 
Either that or half of your material must be like nonsense. This next story is, you don't want to pay me a few dollars to save thousands? Okay. I used to work for a company about 15 years ago that involved constant travel every month, both domestic and international. We were based in New York, but a lot of people lived all around the US, which worked out since we barely had to travel to New York if you played your cards right. There were two main ways of making this work. You could volunteer for an assignment before your normal rotation started, and they would fly you from your home to the work location. Or, if there was work at or near your home location at the start of your rotation, you could just start at home. If you did the second option, they would pay you at a reduced rate for the time it would have taken you to fly from New York to your home city, where you're now starting your rotation. The travel pay was minimum, it was paid one hour for every three hours of travel, but it was a win-win. The company saved money on airfare, and you got to start close to home. I was living in Hawaii at the time. There was a lot of work in Hawaii, so I was fully taking advantage of the option to start in Honolulu. Since it was roughly a 10-hour flight there from the East Coast to Hawaii, I got paid about 3 hours, and the company didn't have to buy someone airfare to get there. Win-win. The company could be very petty and aggressive towards its employees at times. It was a really strange company culture. They would fire or suspend people on a whim along with other questionable practices. For example, I witnessed two employees get fired for being in minor fender benders with minimal damage and no injuries. The kicker was, they even fired their immediate supervisors over it. It was totally random when they would go off the rails with someone, so everyone walked on eggshells. It was a terrible place to work, and I was trying my best to find another job, but the job market wasn't that great at the time. I was able to avoid the petty drama for the first year and a half that I worked there, but it finally caught up to me. One day, I noticed they weren't crediting me with the 1 per 3 travel pay for starting in my home city. Sometimes that happens and you just need to call in for them to fix it. Up until now, it hasn't been an issue. So I call in to inquire about it and I'm told that they don't pay travel pay. I remind them of the policy and that I've been using it lately without issue. They transfer me to a manager who tells me that it's never been a policy. I tell this manager that as recently as two months ago, I spoke to someone in their department to arrange it, and it wasn't a problem. The manager tells me they're going to research it and find out who it was and counsel them. At that point, I remembered the person I spoke with two months ago was this manager, so I informed them that they were the ones that fixed it last time. Their response was, oh, well, we don't do that anymore. I said okay and ended the call. Apparently I pissed them off somehow. I have my suspicions of what happened, but whatever. Malicious compliance activated. The next month, and just about every month after that, I volunteer to start early for an assignment in Germany. Now, instead of paying me three hours of pay for the flight I don't have to take, they're now paying the pay and airfare to fly someone else to Hawaii while also paying for my business class airfare from Honolulu to Germany, along with the pay for the travel. They're paying several thousands of dollars in airfare to save paying me a hundred dollars. I kept this up until I was finally able to quit about six months later. I got a lot of airline miles out of it as well. They also had a policy where if you were working in a place where they knew you lived or had friends or relatives that you'd stay with, they wouldn't pay you the per diem if you canceled the hotel reservation they had for you. 
so everyone would just check into the hotel and then go stay at home with friends or relatives. Now, instead of saving money on the hotel, the company was paying for the hotel and the per diem. This kind of thinking was common at this company. If they thought you were getting something... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Too good they would spend all kinds of money to make sure you didn't get anything, even if it didn't cost them anything, or if they were saving money in the process. A few years after I left, the company ended up going out of business, no doubt thanks to their short-sightedness and mismanagement. Too bad there's no managers for the managers that could have saved them from this disaster. Our next story is management messing with teachers. I posted this a few days ago but decided to expand upon it as my fellow educators might enjoy it. I worked at an English training school years ago that did something similar. Think after school tuition. Very common in Asia. We had to clock in an hour before our first class to get ready. If we were 5 minutes late we would be fined and 15 minutes late we lost a day's pay. Nobody objected to being punished if we were late to class, but this felt unfair as we would be sat around doing very little until about 15 minutes before class. Most people prepared classes at least the day before to ensure they had the right materials, etc. We asked if we would get paid extra for staying late, as many of us would often end up working after our shift finished. We would be talking to students' parents, preparing materials, waiting with students for their parents to arrive if they were running late, etc. Often, people would finish an hour after their shift finished without complaint, as we cared about the work and students. With the new sign-in system, this all went away. As soon as the clock hit 8pm, we'd sign out and leave. Everyone would have their computers off, 
Conversations with parents would have ended early, and students handed over to the manager. This meant tasks were unfinished, and we got a bunch of complaints. Later on, I realized that I could sign in whilst getting breakfast in the morning and simply show up 15 minutes before class. The system would say I'd been there all day. Several of my colleagues did likewise, as we didn't need long to prepare due to having taught the materials already. Management huffed and puffed, but eventually got rid of the sign-in system, and instead said as long as we weren't late to class, our time spent in the office wasn't super important. Another time management got involved was to put kids in the wrong classes. Students' parents would demand that their child should be in the top-level class for their grade. We would try to explain the class that would be completely in English and they wouldn't be able to follow. New students would be given a level test and placed accordingly. I've been in language classes where I couldn't follow the language of instruction and it was terrible. Management insisted that the customer was always right and we had to do as they asked. Results? Every high-level class had at least one student who couldn't understand what was happening and lost interest in losing English. Teachers would show the results of the placement test, and if the parents disagreed, we put up no resistance. After a term or so, parents would be outraged at the lack of progress, and often a decline in their child's English scores. Teachers would be blamed, and we'd simply pull out the recommendation we made when they first came to the school. Management again tried to blame us for not being forceful, but we reminded them that we couldn't overrule their judgment. Once again, this policy was scrapped, and the teachers could overrule management and the parents. We lost a few sales in the short term, but most parents appreciated that we had the child's best interest at heart. The students would eventually make it to a higher level, but when they were ready to do so. Our next story is, following manager's orders leads to company losing university contract. The process was built up over several incidents, leading to one final nail in the coffin. To set the stage, this was an on-campus cafe almost exclusively staffed by student workers as work-study. The only other people working there were the managers who had to be non-student workers. This is important for later. The managers when we started there were day manager Brenda, night manager Chris, and flex manager Trudy. There was one other non-student worker, Sandy, there at the time who was hired to work the sandwich bar they installed that no one used because what college student is going to order a sub-par, huh, sandwich instead of french fries and a burger or mozzarella sticks? Brenda regularly gave special treatment to the day crew, insisting that the night crew were all lazy and didn't do the job properly, despite us regularly having to clean up after the day crew who didn't want to do any of the end-of-shift work. One of those, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean types, literally made us clean ceiling tiles once. Chris was a fantastic guy, really cared about the workers and the job, but got a lot of flack from Brenda because her crew could do no wrong and his crew was barely worth the little pay we got. He eventually got a better job and we were super happy for him. However, that meant that night crew had no manager. And as previously stated, since managers had to be non-student workers, and they couldn't hire anyone new on such short notice, Sandy got promoted to be the new night manager. Sandy did not take the new position with Grace, and did not make any attempt to learn how the whole kitchen worked. She just made up rules on the fly as she thought it should be done, and attempted to enforce them regardless of how absurd it would be i.e. recipe changes, cook times, serving volumes, etc. 
We collectively ignored her idiocy, but as I was the only white female on the night crew, she singled me out as the subject of her power-tripping nonsense. While I was frustrated at her absurd rules she gave me, I followed them because I was 19, freshly out of an abusive relationship, and really needed the money. First, I wasn't allowed to be at the counter calling out and handing out orders because I spent too much time talking to my friends, when in reality I was making small talk with the people ordering, you know, as one does in customer service. Second, I wasn't allowed to work in the kitchen because I spent too much time talking and not enough time working, when it was just we all got along really well because the night crew were all friends outside of work so we could chat and work really efficiently at the same time. Lastly, I wasn't allowed to work the front counter because that's what she wanted to do. So what did that leave for me to do? Minor cleaning, which didn't take long, dishes, which also didn't take long, and nothing. At one point, I sat in the back next to a cooler for four hours on my phone because everything that I could have been doing, I was expressly told not to do. So I did as I was told and did nothing. During the middle of all this, she had taken over a mid-shift from Trudy who was awesome and really understanding. There was an error on the schedule that showed me starting an hour before I actually came in. I had addressed this with Trudy and Brenda and both were fine with me showing up after my class got out, which put me in exactly one hour after my start time. Sandy called me multiple times that day she was filling in but I didn't answer as I was in class at the time. I came in for my regular schedule and she refused to let me clock in. I had to call Brenda and leave her a message explaining the situation so I didn't get fired for not showing up to a shift. All of this came to a head after I injured my ankle and was on crutches for two weeks. I don't remember why, but I only had one shift during the two weeks I was on crutches. I spoke with Brenda and she told me and Sandy that I was to sit on a stool and worked the register for my shift. Stool was brought up, and on it I sat for three of my five hours before Sandy decided that she had not inflicted her BS on me that day and had to rectify that. She told me I was no longer allowed to work on the register, and that I was to spend the remainder of my shift in the back standing and washing the massive pile of dishes. Could I have fought her and insisted upon what Brenda had said? Sure, but... I was in no mood to get yelled at in front of a long line of people, and I was in pain. We had already complained to Brenda and Trudy about her behavior towards me, and I finally had enough. Cue malicious compliance. I put on a fake smile and said, Of course, I'll go back and spend the rest of my shift standing doing dishes, and hobbled my butt to the back and stood on one crutch for two hours washing dishes. My friends who were waiting on me tried to get me to push back against her, but I told them I was just going to do what I was told and we would deal with it afterwards. The next day, all four of us from the night crew wrote individual letters to the general manager, going over everything she had been doing to us during her time as a manager, and including the incident from that night. We finally had something happen that they couldn't ignore or push to the side as a difference of opinion. They gave her a stern talking to and told me that they didn't say any names, but We all knew that she knew. She refused to talk to me from then on. I could do what I wanted and actually do my work for about a week until the power tripping started again. After that, within the span of a week, all four night crew members put in our two weeks notice and after we left, the whole place was in shambles. 
During the final two weeks that we were there, we were all very vocal about our issues with Sandy, and one day, after a particularly brutal reprimand from what we heard, she just stopped showing up. But the management had shown their true colors and we were over it. The day crew didn't know how to do prep, and the one person they pulled to do the night crew was so inefficient that they couldn't keep up. They barely managed to stay afloat through the end of the semester. The next semester, a new company had taken over and revamped the cafe with most of the same food and such, but new branding and some new things added. They also had taken over the cafeteria, which had originally been managed by the original company that ran the cafe. I felt bad for Trudy because she was awesome, but it was so satisfying watching a company's downfall due to poor management and a little bit of malicious compliance. I mean, by and large, people complained and shared concerns and they were ignored. I don't really know what the company can expect when they empower people who caused these issues and ran those people out of there. Our next story is, I got injured and they play on the terms of my rehabs. I was working in a big chain of animal product store here in Quebec. We had a rotary manager for a week, and it's a manager with no fixed store that goes in to replace sick leave and vacations of other managers. He was terrible and would overfill the rows. He flattened the big bags of cat food so that five would fit in height when normally only three would, four if he pushed it hard. He insisted this was the proper way, but the bags were not keeping flat. They were taking their usual form after half an hour. An assistant manager, since a week, I would remove the extra bags. We got this new employee, a tiny girl around 16. She was nice and all, but she couldn't move the heavy stuff like cat litter. She came to see me because the dum-dum did it right before he left and I didn't see him do it. The bags wouldn't budge and a customer needed one and all of our stock was on the shelves. Together we were able to remove it, but then I saw the upper shelves, all in industrial steel, move while we almost got it out. I had two possible actions. Let the small girl take the hit and break her hand, she didn't see it, or move my arm to protect her. I was about three times her size. I took the hit. The top shelves were full of ten types of cat food, all weighing around 25 kilograms and about ten bags of each. My arm hurt, but nothing too bad. I filed an accident report, meaning I had to take a picture and manage my arm. At the end of my shift, my arm was blue and in total pain, and I went to the hospital. The doctors couldn't believe nothing was broken. I got hit by a car six months later to get the same news. They ran tests and realized the only damage was on my nervous system and would need therapy. They got me the minimum leave of a week to give my employers, and the next day I was in a clinic for work injury. They've checked everything, program, physiotherapy, and a leave of minimum a month. My arm was hurting so much I couldn't lift a glass of water, or play a video game, or lift a book. A month and a half later, the doctor tells me I can get to work, but to manage what I was doing to respect my body limitation, and not to make any repetitive movements. I had a weight limit that I could carry, not much, but I could take most of the medium-sized bag. But here's the trick according to the law. Repetitive movement meant 8 hours in a day of the same movement. So I was given 5 hours of cash duties, 2 of cleaning at the end of the day, and helping customers here and there. 5 hours of cash was too much and I told them, but they said they could do it legally and to stop complaining. 
One time a customer asked me to lift a heavy bag and I told him I couldn't since I had an injury. I was written up because I shouldn't have told him I was injured even if I didn't say it was work related. Then I was written up because I expressed pain in front of customers. I explained I couldn't help it, my nerves were acting up, and since I couldn't, as stated by the medical bill, respect my limitations, since that legally didn't mean there's anything I could do. They asked me to go see the doctor again, so I went to the doctors, and here starts the compliance. She thought it was a waste of her time, of taxpayers' money, and it was keeping other patients seeing her, and she wanted them to pay for this reason. They said, what's the lightest bag of food you have in the store? I say 8 kilograms. They say, so you can't lift more than 7.95 kilograms. How long does it take to scan the items of a regular transaction? I say, about 30 seconds to a minute. They say, you can't repeat a movement for more than 30 seconds then. Also, I request an inspection of the store. I was laughing. With that in hand, I went back to HR and my managers. They were pissed. They had a useless employee they have to pay full time. I left two days before the end of my rehabilitation treatment for a job in my field of study and I sued them. The inspection forced them to change all the rackings and the store had to close for a month got there. While they had just renovated everything a month before I got there. You just gotta love doctors who know that you're being mistreated and are willing to cut you some extra slack to really stick it to these people who are being awful. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another absolutely awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.